This is the rundown where every week the Fab Four get together and talk about the most breaking news in Catholic world. Today we're going to be joined by special guests. Grifter in chief announcing his new grift, Kennedy Hall, the base lumberjack from the north. Looking forward to talking to him. We'll be talking about the USCCB getting slapped down by the Vatican. The deep court strikes again. ACB, exactly not who she said she was. We were the first ones to tell you about that. And so much more. This is Rundown. Let's get started. I know you all know, but a lot of people may not know what COVID is. Now, more than half the people to die with the Delta variant have not been vaccinated at all. Nearly two-thirds of those infected with it have not been vaccinated. Hang on, that makes no sense. Let me just bring you up to date with the figures. Hang on, that makes no sense. Let me just bring you up to date with the figures. Hang on, that makes no sense. Let me just bring you up to date with the figures. Two-thirds were on were unvaccinated, 23% actually in terms of the statistics. There have been 42 deaths in England, people confirmed, with the Delta variant who died within 28 days of a positive test. Of those, 23 were unvaccinated, 7 had had the first dose more than 21 days before, 12 had had their second dose more than 14 days before. So it's a small number of deaths, but of those, uh, a large proportion, as we're saying, had been double vaccinated. It's a small number of deaths, but of those, uh, a large proportion had, as we're saying, had been double vaccinated. Uh. Where, um, we can work together with Russia, for example, uh, in, uh, in Libya. We should be opening up the, 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 the passes to be able to go through and provide, uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assistance, I mean, vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. I think I'm going to try very much hard to, uh, it, it is, uh, by the way, there's places where I shouldn't be starting off and negotiating the public here. Let me say it this way. Russia has engaged in activities which are, we believe are contrary to international norms, but they have also um, bitten off some real problems they are going to have trouble chewing up. So I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Jennifer Jacob, Bloomberg. And looking out across this room, I see the advocates, the activists, the leaders who have been calling for this day for so long including the one and only Miss Opal Lee.
<laughs> we just received a very special recognition from the President of the United States. <laughs> we will now take the family photo for the 2021 NATO summit. Ladies and gentlemen, please remove your masks and then look. Ladies and gentlemen, please remove your masks and then look into the cameras for 15. Nous allons maintenant prendre la photo de famille pour le sommet de l'OTAN 2021. Mesdames, Messieurs, je vous prie d'enlever vos masques et puis regarder les caméras pendant 15 secondes. Happy Juneteenth uh, to the team. Uh, Fab Four joined with special guest Kennedy Hall. My hats off to you, gentlemen, on this Juneteenth. And um, as we said, I, we got to get into our first story here. Uh, well, we called it. I remember calling it, and I remember pulling up this story here. Remember this when we said Amy Coney Barrett is she's going to set aside her Catholic beliefs in order to rule on the Supreme Court. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to report to you that, uh, well, she's done that. She voted in a 6-3 decision. She and Brett Kavanaugh, the two Trump appointees that everybody was cheering, uh, to support and endorse and enshrine forever Obamacare. So we've got Obamacare for life. Thanks, ACB. What do you think, what do you think about that, Kennedy, from Canada? Your health care...
Okay, we're gonna have to get Steve and Ryan in on this action, Steve. <laughs> is it is it is is being marginally better than Canada? Is that acceptable to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah new. Uh, how about new? Uh, yes, uh, happy uh, Eve of Juneteenth uh, to everybody out there. Uh, the national new national holy day. Uh, if anybody didn't see this coming, uh, uh, I don't know what you've been watching. Nine politicized judges ruled on Obamacare. Shocker. That It's going to be here to stay. Uh, anybody with two working brain cells, we've said this many times, knows this was going to happen. It's, Obamacare is not going anywhere. Uh, if people want to complain about socialized medicine, I worked in medicine, the medical community for a while. As an assistant sales rep, we saw that Medicare is government insurance. It tells insurance companies what to do. There's a reason why in the state of North Carolina, you can only have X amount of insurance companies. South Carolina, couple. Georgia, one or two. Tennessee has anything. And car insurances, you can you can buy all state, state farm. Notice it's across state lines. In health insurance, you cannot do that across state lines. It's only whatever the state does because of what the government tells them to. D.C. is in charge of this. You have Medicare issuing whatever they say. All these other guys have to do the same thing. So, yes, insurance companies stink, but they are ran by Medicare, who's a government insurance company. Medicaid is government insurance. You have all these conservatives. Stop touching my Medicare. If you're for Medicare and Medicaid, you are for government insurance. I don't know how else to explain this. You're for social. We have socialized medicine. We've had it. Now, we don't have it at the level that Canada and others have it. But mm -hmm. to say that we live in a free society is mind-blowingly stupid. Yeah. And it's almost delusional. Uh, quick tactical note here. Kennedy, could you say something on this 5x5 five five screen just to make sure that your audio is coming through? I think I think for some reason they can't hear you. on when And they missed your initial comment, which was, well, at least you're not in Canada. Can you guys hear me? No. Oh, well, if you're in the chat, let us know if we yeah. um, Okay, I gotta cut, cut it over to Ryan. <clears throat> Ryan, I think you were the most critical of ACB, Amy Coney Barrett. She's a mother of seven. She's a she's a graduate of Notre Dame Law School. She's a practicing Catholic. Ryan, what's your issue with her? Oh, essentially, she's but uh, you know drinks the Americanist Kool Aid on so many things. And actually, another beloved person on the right. Antonin Scalia was precisely the same way. He, uh, <clears throat> you know, he said, "Well, I'm jurist first, so natural law doesn't come into it. Common law, you know, the, the teaching at the Catholic Church. No, we're setting it all aside because I have to as a jurist." And and the problem is there. There's two problems. With that one, the left is not doing that with their religion, which is communism. Uh, actually, the right's religion is communism too, but in a softer way. But anyway, uh, number two, it, it's that. You have the you can say oh America's separate we're, we're separation of church and state. <clears throat> you still have as jurists have to rule with a Catholic conscience, and you can't just look at a law that is manifestly completely unjust and say well, I have to uphold the rule of law, because if I don't you know I mean one the left is not going to do it, and so with it, we're doing counter revolution. You have to be able to revolt towards the truth. That's what counter-revolution is versus uh, Masonic Marxist revolution, which re uh, which revolts to get away from the truth. So it, it, it was swinging it all back to uh, Amy Coney Barrett, Kavanaugh, 
Obamacare? Does this involve specifically Catholic principles here? Yes, actually, there's a couple. One is is personal autonomy. You look at how Obamacare works. People, you know, on the right complain, oh, this is socialized medicine. And as Steve just pointed out, we already got that. Sorry. But what Obamacare does is make it the law that you have to have insurance, all right, which is a violation of your personal autonomy. You should not be forced to get this or that insurance plan. Mm -hmm. Second, I mean, just in terms of, the, the, you know, financially, it's a disaster. I could not afford a bronze plan, mm -hmm. all right, the cheapest plan I could possibly get. I, it, would, it would be about more than a third of what I make in a month. I don't have money for that. For what? Only one of my kids has ever had to go to a doctor for anything. Because um, we do preventative medicine, and we eat healthy, and we don't go to McDonald's, and I don't let my kids drink soda. As a result, we don't, we're not exploding with cancers, weird things that nobody's ever seen before. We don't go to the doctor for them to find things that aren't there so they can bill insurance. We don't, <clears throat> um, you know, waste our time with that. I have instead, um, you know, a health share account for everybody we have a you know that that covers us number one number two there's a chiropractor that's also a licensed md that can fix bones so i have him in a cash payment system and it all costs me about 450 dollars a month i should not be obligated and of course and i've never had obamacare actually and so it uh, or any i have an insurance probably about 10 12 years and i don't intend to so it's uh they, they can pound sand but you know, so what they've done is basically said, you don't have the right to do that. You have to go along with all this stuff. And so, you know, that's that's one of these and many other problems. And what just wait for an abortion decision to come down. Mm -hmm. Where are Kavanaugh and ACB going to go? Mm -hmm. Are they going to say, well, the, the, the precedent of the land, the law of the land, that's that, that we can't touch. Yeah, that. I'm, I'm inclined. I'm inclined to take her at her word. Catholics. When she said in October yeah. of 2020, when she in, in her Blitzkrieg uh, confirmation, which uh, happened in the dark of night, uh, remember Brett Kavanaugh was World War III politically, uh, but a ACB right. sailed in. Of course, her father uh, is a longtime, um, you know, swamp creature attorney. Uh, yeah, I'm inclined to believe that what she said in October of 2020 that she will set aside her Catholic beliefs and rule as a judge according to precedent that uh, there's no chance. We have no chance on protecting life. I want to bring Brother Martin in on this just with respect to insurance. Can we be compelled by Caesar, Brother Martin, in your opinion? Can we be compelled to purchase a product, any product, like insurance? And can we, and, and furthermore, should we be compelled to uh, underwrite the unhealthy decisions of those people around us who don't take their health seriously? I mean, Caesar can compel you, but with a gun or a sword. Um, I know several people who just bit the bullet and instead paid the fine precisely because it was, the fine was cheaper than actually insuring their entire family. Um, so I guess each individual person has to kind of you know, weigh the two, whether they need to buy the bullet and, and, and pay for all the insurance or, or just pay all the fines. Um, but no, it, it, is, it is an injustice because you're paying for something you don't need. Um, and then, of course, when you pay the fine, you're not getting anything in return for that money. You're just paying the fine. Whereas if you pay the insurance, well, you might, you know, if, if chance happens or whatever that uh, you need to, it, it benefits you for some random um, disaster or whatever, um, you get that benefit. So it's, it's, you have, it's a cost-benefit ratio. You have to, you have to see for yourself. Um, but as far as everybody else, I guess, doing things that are unhealthy or whatever, um, yeah, fast, fast food is junk. Uh, we, we really do need to start <laughs> – I, I, I mean – with with Bill Gates buying up all the farming, talking about uh, nobody eating meat anymore, creating meat in a laboratory for us to eat, 
things are just going to get much worse. We're eating a lot of processed foods. Um, uh, yeah, there, people are we're kind of, in one sense, forced to make una- uh, unnatural decisions uh, regarding our diets and whatever. But um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say in that regard because it's it's we're all, we're we're forced to. You go to the grocery store, and this is the stuff that's that's put on the shelf. Yeah, I mean, I I I object to having to share in the risk of people who don't take their personal health seriously and then get all these first world problems, and um, then mm-hmm. I have to pay for it. Um, but so Mike, this isn't about. I saw people in the chat saying uh, she's afraid of the left. This ain't an AOC ACB. This is a, the whole problem with SCOTUS. You got nine unelected tyrants in black robes ruling. They they are in charge. It's the Senate and House don't do anything. The the SCOTUS Senate it's is governed by judiciary. <clears throat> it's not a left right thing either. You saw like the one video with the in the opening. Everyone's hugging and kissing each other afterwards. They do that anyway in D.C. This is like with Trump and uh, uh, Clinton. They were hating each other during a thing. It was a good political show. Drama. It was great drama TV. And then when after it wins, they're all good friends, BFFs, hugging each other at the breakfast. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as left, right. It's them versus us. Yeah. You ain't on, and we ain't on that team. It's the elite and then it's the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And the elite is going to be living X, Y, Z like they always have. And they're going to tell you and us how we're supposed to never fly again, never drive again, never own again, never eat another piece of meat again, never do this again. And if you don't think that's not going to happen, I got some beachfront property on Mars that has a great sale for you this weekend. <laughs> Call Kennedy and use this code Kennedy for uh, 10% off. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of the elites and uh, actually saying something that's a, that's a, occasionally sober, uh, if, in case you missed it, John Stewart of all people now endorses the lab leak theory with respect to the planned chastisement. Here it is. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has, in many ways, helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic, uh, which was more than likely caused by science. <laughs> so, and that's kind of all of it. No, 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 the Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then the national scientists are like, how did this so wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed the turtle. And you're like, no, I you, you the name of your lab. If you look at the name, look at the name. Can I let me see your business card? Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, okay. Wait, 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 what about this? What about this? Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. All right, oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel, maybe with a cocoa bean. Or it's the f- 
Chocolate Factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. All right, so is this a, is this a controlled op? Is this what we're seeing here? Is this uh, is this some kind of psyop, or or did did John Stewart suddenly wake up, Steve, to the uh, to to the to the planned nature of this chassis? What he just said, by the way, if he had said that three months ago, he'd be banned from YouTube. He'd be deplatformed. He'd be depersoned. But he just went on uh, he just went on the Late Show and said it, and everyone thinks it's it's acceptable now, Steve. Is now approved. There was actually an article the other day when they talked to. Uh, reporters who said it's because of Trump that they did not want to say that he could be right on this. And I'm not saying he was right on this because a lot of ton, there's a ton of reports of things prior to this, the military games, uh, UNC, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, Fort Detrick, etc. way before this, the, uh, the Wuhan theory idea. But at least they didn't want to be anywhere near the realm of Trump could be right. So because of Orange Man Bad, they gave up all their reporting ideas, uh, journalism, integrity, basically. So now it's just a proof. It's an approved thing to say now. Yeah. I want to do a quick uh, quick technical test here. I think I fixed your screen, Kennedy. I'm going to flip over to you full screen, and you can say a thought or two, and then I'm going to flip back. And then if you are in the live stream right now, do me a favor. If you can hear Kennedy's audio when he's full screen, uh, give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Stuart sort of slip and uh, you know I worked around leftists and leftist bureaucrats for a long time and from that experience one thing that I keep in mind is there's definitely a narrative there's definitely this socialist mindset but um, they're also just very fickle you know I mean if you're a man like John Stewart or uh, Colbert or even just a politician because they're all actors a lot of the time anyway um, you want to be famous. You want to be in the limelight. You want your ideas to be the ones that everyone has to believe. And uh, it's this pro and con list. They always play with themselves about how can I be relevant and how can I also not be canceled? Because they know, like, it's kind of like when you watch street gangs. You know, they don't really have any morals, but they just sort of have tacit approval of each other for utility. And then as soon as it's their chance to get ahead, they'll they'll do what they need to do to get ahead. Yeah. And um I'm researching this. I'm writing a book for Tan on the Illuminati. <laughs> Get your tin hat out. And um, but I had to research the beginning of the Illuminati, and it's like it starts with this master plan, and it's going really, really good. Uh, but then classic immoral people, right? They start to turn on each other, and then uh, that's kind of the reason why things kind of fizzle out for a bit. It's still spread and everything, but it it should have been way more massive. But just the sinfulness of the people involved gets in their own way. And I think we see that with some of these um, guys like John Stewart. They just can't help themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Ryan, it's 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 pretty interesting. We've been saying, I think, from well, I guess from the beginning, certainly from the beginning of the rundown, that uh, oh wow, there's a level four lab there, and then it comes to light that Fauci funded it, and then it comes to light that Fauci's emails strategically get leaked, and he talks about gain of function, uh, which is making the virus more viral. Um, and then it, it turns out that he is connected to the people who patented the protein. And then it turns out, you know what I mean? Like it's thing after thing after thing. But, uh, I, I guess my question is, do you know a single person, Ryan Grant, one person in your life that still believes that bat soup is the reason that the world <laughs> shut down a year and a half ago? I haven't queried everyone I know, but I'm quite certain if there's a few people, I'm quite certain still believe that. 
um, you know, it gives the power of meta narratives. And often, and, and here I'm the, the various people I know, um, it's actually the more intellectual and highly educated that are more likely to think that because what we usually find in studies have actually borne this out. Uh, the more intellectual, you know, the, the general kind of mainstream of intellectual people are far easier to propagandize mm. because they think they can't be propagandized and, and they actually can fall fairly easily to uh, to authority and official, you know, decrees and all these sorts of things. And so th there are people that still believe this, although I don't know why. But I think the bigger question, Steve kind of laid this out a little bit. It's not just what are they leaking out and admitting right now. It's also a question of what are they hiding? Because whenever they give you one thing in one hand, just like a magician, he wants you looking right here so you don't see what he's doing over here. And so the same thing is going on now. So they're framing a certain narrative with the leak of the information. Yeah, yeah those dirty chai comms, you got to go get the Chinese and th those those communists. We, we got to. I mean, China hasn't been a hard communist country basically since. Uh, um, really since Mao died, because that's when, you know, a lot of the main families in China took over and worked with Rockefeller and Kissinger to transform it into a dictatorial technocracy, right, which would be based on a market sort of economy. So it's, it's still a brutal dictatorship. It's not really communist. But, you know, beside any of that. That they want that framed as the enemy. Now, there's probably a lot of good reasons why the Chaikoms are the enemy. But beside that, China is being set up now as the big bad the enemy, you know, for your fake Cold War 2.0. And they're going to keep screaming, Chaikoms, yeah, bad China. And they, they're going to keep framing it that way. And also a little bad guy Russia as well. Except we're going to bring in all the same authoritarian things that the Chinese are doing. And it's already being set up right now. We've talked about it on past episodes, right? Your vaccine you know, passport that's going to be connected to your, um, you know, social credit score that will be connected to your financial credit score, that'll be connected to your bank account, that will be connected to all the, they already have that in China. It's already there. And that's what they're building here right now. Just Trump said, oh, we can't trust the Chinese with, with this whole big 5G internet of things, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's why it needs to be American made. We need the same thing. And that's, that's, that's what Trump did. And, and that, that's kind of been, you know, bad, evil China. Uh, you know, Oceania has always been at war with uh, East Asia and, and so on and so forth. And that's the narrative, the meta narrative going forward. And this is just another instance of it. So now all the, the, the you know, when John Stewart comes out and is allowed to say it, um, you can tell this is a propagandized move. Yeah. Don't look at Fort Detroit. Yeah. Don't look at uh, our end in creating this thing. Don't look at you know who funds the the World Health Organization and how they and media have been in lockstep promoting government propaganda from the very beginning of this with not a shred, not a scintilla of scientific evidence. I mean, what about socialist distancing? What about uh, girls that came up with asymptomatic transmission? Mm -hmm. All fake, all based on nothing. Yeah, even Not even the even the notion back any of those up. Even the notion that this thing lives fear. on on railways on 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 handrails and surfaces right. has has been debunked. Survives for thirty six hours in the sun or two weeks in the sun or whatever garbage they kept coming out with. But it's the it's the same thing. It's scientism again. The priests in the white robes. Um, you know, red meat is good for you. Red meat will give you cancer. Wine is good for you. Wine will cause cancer. Coffee is good for you. Oh, coffee is bad for you. What coffee? This is okay. No, new study finds coffee bad for you, and so on and so forth all the time. Uh, if you're taking your health advice from the news media, from the science uh, people, from the guys in the white lab coats, I suggest you ditch all of that 
and uh, you know start working in how people survive for ten thousand years and stick with that. Yeah. Um, don't forget eggs. Eggs good. Eggs bad. Kennedy, I'm going to try one more time right. on your full screen because I really want people to see the lusciousness of your base energy. <laughs> okay. Can am I on full screen now? Can you hear me now? Is everyone good? Okay. <laughs> Gone, Stewart. What's well, funny, I did a philo when I was in university, I had to do a philosophy class. Oh, someone's coming into my room here. You gotta get out. You gotta go, go. Uh, I'm taking you off full screen. Close the door, please. Okay. We're building a studio for the Crusade Channel show that we're gonna launch, by the way, so I won't have children walking in. Yes. Although that is kind of part of the part of the, the mystique. John Stewart, I had a philosophy class in university, a class I had to take. And I would skip it, skipped it half the time because I had to go to football practice. Um, but uh, the professor was like a huge leftist. And he showed us one time a video between Jon Stewart and Reza Aslan. Remember that guy? That um, apologist for Islam, but like he's a liberal. Anyway, it was really weird. So Jon Stewart uh, speaking up. Well, I have a little bit of a different opinion than you guys on some things. Um, I guess I'm a little bit more boomer, as you guys would say. But... Um, to be honest, I definitely believe there's a level of planning and stuff, uh, but I just think there's also a level of sinfulness and incompetence. So, like, I think these leftists have these major plans about things they want to do, but I don't ascribe any, any, uh, let's say, uh, fortified unity between all of them. Um, I just don't, I don't think they're smart enough for that. So there's definitely groups that compete, I, for sure. You see that historically, uh, but again, they're fickle. And uh, it may be that Jon Stewart got the tap on the shoulder saying, go and say this. But it also may be that he's just a, a, an attention hound and says, well, I can get a lot of clicks if I, if I do this and I won't be, I won't be, uh, you know, like he sees that it's acceptable and he wants people to like him. So he goes and says the thing that gets the views mm -hmm. and then he, you know, makes a million bucks with the next book signing or whatever the heck he's choosing to do. I mean, it's calculated to a point, but it's also just narcissism. Uh, speaking of narcissism, um, our, I want to bring Brother Martin in and, uh, on, the, on the next topic we got to discuss, which is that the Vatican literally has stepped in and said to the USCCB, the spineless, uh, uh, well, you know who they are, uh, that you, they cannot actually say anything to so-called fake Catholic president, usurper-in-chief Joe Biden, um, and they can't deny him communion. Now, this has been an ongoing saga, Brother Martin, so I think... For those who have not been following it, it might be worth uh, taking a minute to tell people about the history of this and the movement, and then suddenly this other faction that was trying to scuttle the movement, and then ultimately uh, Rome stepping in and saying, you have no authority over the Caesar. The Caesar wins in the end. Basically, back since um, Benedict XVI, Benedict is one of the things when the McCarrick deal was happening, was when Benedict XVI gave uh, Cardinal McCarrick a letter to be read to the entire USCCB um, regarding giving Holy Communion to politicians who are adamantly in favor and working for abortion um, and enshrining those laws and constitutions and all that kind of stuff. Um, Cardinal McCarrick, of course, chose to pocket that letter, make it like, considered a private letter or whatever, um, and, not, and not mention it to any of, the, any of the bishops. Well, of course, when we discovered Cardinal McCarrick being a slug and all that kind of stuff. This was kind of an eye-opener for a lot of people because he was obviously not only 
concerning or not only doing immoral things behind closed doors, but his immorality, uh, I guess, came into his, his, his public ministry. Um, so Benedict XVI tried to address this issue. He did not. There's a video of Cardinal Orenze coming to the United States holding a press conference um, being asked this question, should pro-abortion politicians be given Holy Communion? And he says, do you really need a cardinal uh, from, from Rome to tell you this? Ask, ask first communicants. They, they know. If they, if they study the catechism, they know. You know, six, seven years old. And you really need a cardinal from the Vatican. So fast forward to today, um, the question is up for grabs because, of course, uh, President Biden it says he's a, he's a nominal Catholic. He says he's a Catholic, and he says he's a practicing one, a devout one. And right, and really, uh, you, you, you really have to come to decide right now. Like, th- th- this is it. The highest, the highest office in the United States is held by a, a Catholic who is uh, fighting for abortion and still receiving Holy Communion and, and, and gets to call himself a good Catholic. And, and, it, and it's, um, not, it's not just abortion. It's not, it's not, that, you know what I mean? Like, uh, last week, we, we chose to use a very sick, disgusting, and shocking thumbnail image for this show to demonstrate the grotesque, evil, despicable attack on, on, the, on the innocence of children, the grooming of children... Um, it's funny, the grooming of children actually uh, is, is the reason why uh, this week I'm taking a week off of Twitter because a fellow Catholic has taken me off Twitter because I oppose the grooming of children. But that alone, it, even notwithstanding the abortion issue, that alone is something that fake Catholic Joe Biden supports, endorses. And, we, all, have no, yeah. and, and our, also, we don't have a single bishop, we don't have a single St. Ambrose who's willing to stand up to the emperor. It's almost too little too late, precisely because uh, the issue of communion in the hand, of course, came around in the 1960s. And, of course, communion in the hand advances the possibility of sacrilege uh, to the Holy, U- Holy Eucharist. And that's exactly what's, what's in question right now is, is a person who's in mortal sin, um, fighting for abortion, receiving Holy Communion. It's, it's sacrilegious, and it condemns the person receiving it as well. So it's one thing to forbid them for their own sake, um, but also it's the danger of sacrilege. It's our, it's our Lord that they're receiving. Um, and, and so it's like... The bishops don't want sacrilege in, in some senses, and they want sacrilege in other senses. It, it's they're they're the politicians. They're 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 playing politics with, with the Holy Eucharist by trying to not politicize it. So they're guilty of the same. But also, I want to point out how 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 people take different stances on on certain documents coming from the CDF. Uh, when the jab came out, the CDF produced a document saying, "Oh, it's morally acceptable to do this," and, and so there was a lot of e priests, of course, uh, saying, "Oh, the CDF said it." Roma locuta es, caldo finita es. Rome has spoken, no more issue. But now the CDF is saying the, the, the bishops can't even um, enforce canon law. And, and so who do you, you know, it, there's such inconsistency coming out of Rome. We, we don't even know how, how, how to even take these things anymore, who to believe. And so I think this is, this is even a, a greater issue because Rome just, uh, the CDF in particular, is just a political tool. Mm-hmm. I, I want to bring some others in, the, um, in on this discussion. I mean, you, uh, Kennedy, from your point of view up in Canada, you're you're sitting here thinking to yourself, well, oh, it's it's fantastic that you guys have a president who carries a rosary in his pocket, and at least he's not as bad as as my idiot that I have, right, Trudeau? Um, I mean, that's that's a take, but in an objective sense, couldn't can't we do better? Well, yeah, and listen, Joe Biden's really bad. I'm not going to pretend that he's better than Trudeau from a Catholic sense. Um, Trudeau's a full apostate. Like, he uh, he basically has 
even more so than Joe Biden. He doesn't even pretend to be Catholic. Let's put it that way. You know, Joe Biden like has the veneer of I think Catholicism is important. It's flawed, but it's there. Trudeau doesn't even pretend. He was called out by the Bishop of Ottawa years ago and just sort of said, no, nah, your excellency, you can go pound salt. Um, so up here, you know, uh, we don't even have these conversations about politicians. Um, but I actually do personally know a priest. He's a wonderful, uh, he's a diocesan, but he's kind of like a renegade. And he denied the former prime minister communion once uh, because he was a uh, uh, liberal, um, like a liberal pro board guy. And uh, he got black for it, but he did it anyway. But, um, yeah, that's why, you know, I mean, you guys know I'm an SSPX guy. And um, we, you realize after a certain amount of time that um, the politicking amongst the bishopric is just too strong. It's just too strong. I've been I've been on the back end of it myself in my diocese. You know, if you're watching, hey, guys, you know, I remember when you talked to me. And, um, you know, it's it, it's the most... I was in a meeting with a vicar of a major diocese and like a guy who's in the head of formation or something like that. We were trying to find common ground to talk about something. Uh, the first time when I walked into the meeting, the first thing that the vicar said was, we're not recording this. Right. And I'm like, well, that's a great way to start a meeting. And, um, I tried to find something that I thought they would at least pretend they had to believe in order to pretend that they weren't heretics. And I said, for example, it's like contraception, you know, it's like, you know, you can't use it. And I kid you not, the guy who was in head of formation for the diocese was like, well, you can with a good conscience. And the, I looked at the vicar, who was probably going to be bishop one day, and I, I, I laughed. I said, this is a joke. Like, this meeting is a joke. What are you talking about? And he said, oh, we're not going to get into, into that right now. I'm like, get into it. It's not, a, it's not a get into it. It's like, what's the Ten Commandments? What's from, the, what's from, what's from tradition? It's pretty simple. Mm. So it's just a, it's a losing battle. You almost have to ignore Rome at this point. Mm. We should go back to the days when people didn't know what the name of the Pope was. You just pray mm -hmm. for them on your rosary, and you just do your best to get to heaven and let the, let the lawyers figure it out. Steve, uh, America is a based uh, crypto-Catholic nation, and you can tell because we got Joe Biden, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the problem started long before communion in the hand and uh, Vatican II and things like that. I mean, you got Americanisms going back all the way to... You know, our first bishop, who Franklin said he, he recommended Carol because they, quote, didn't talk religion the entire trip to Quebec and back after they got ex excommunicated from Quebec. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem right from the beginning here. It's uh, liberalism and then Americanism and then V2, basically, the rumor is, brought Americanism throughout the entire church. But, yeah, you got to... You got to come more holy. You got to, if you're getting bombarded on stuff like this, all right, the bishops did something bad. Stupid. <laughs> Insane. I think we've been, they've been doing that since like the first century. Um, it's how do we, how do we go about the next thing? What are you going to do about it? Okay, the bishop did something stupid. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Does it affect you and your household at whatever address you live and wherever, USA or, uh, Europe, Asia, wherever you're, you are watching, whenever, wherever you are, shouldn't. Bad Pope, shouldn't. Good Pope, shouldn't. You can still go to hell with a good Pope. You can still go to hell with a great bishop. I'm sure those people went to hell at St. John Vianney's Parish. I don't know how many of them. I'm just saying there's, there's probably are. So if the, the, it's it's a combination. It's all it's it's a combination of the top, the hierarchy is is, is terrible. So it trickles down to all of us, and it makes us even worse because it takes our focus off what we should be doing 
and onto what they're doing and talking about that all the time. Like I said, like I said beginning about church politics, I could care less about church news because nothing I can do about it. You, someone could probably make the argument about right, so why you care about local politics. At least I can do something about that. Mm-hmm. It ain't nothing I can do about Rome except yeah. for what we were talking about, prayer, sacrifice, etc. Your local bishop, what you want to do? Shoot him? Can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what can you do? And then focus on that. Instead of read, writing blogs and things like that and talking about the ad nauseum that gets absolutely nothing done, do something that, that can do do something that is productive. Read a book about how this one saint, uh, Saint Louis de Montfort, basically. There's one for you. He walks into a diocese, where walks into a diocese with bloody feet and torn feet and all this. He sits down and then he finds out the bishop tells him to get the heck out. I don't. I haven't read that he wrote a blog or did a video blasting the bishop about it. He got up and left. So. It's a mindset on us as a whole, as laity as well. Again, but that's coming from me. I, I <laughs> well, I want to I want to keep things as spicy as possible here on the rundown. And in order to do that, I have to stoke uh, I have to stoke some some differences between the fabulous five people that we have here. So I want to transition, and I want to bring Ryan in right after we watch this video. This is a reporter uh, who apparently is waking up, or is she? Oh well, it's well, not working. Minute, well, anyway, what the, what the uh, video was was a uh, a woman who is reporting the news. She's live on the news, and uh, she says, "Oh, by the way, um, today is my last day, and I will be going to talk with Project Veritas after this, and I'll be telling Project Veritas about how I'm handcuffed in the newsroom and uh, how all of you people are lying to the good people of Houston, Texas." Um, first of all, I think I think I know what your take is, Kennedy. You think that's pretty base? It's, oh, great! She's waking up. That's awesome, right? Well, I don't. Well, I didn't have a take until you just told me that I had one. Um, <laughs> listen again. It could be planned, and it could also just be people want attention and people you like. It could be a plan. It could also just be this woman who is mildly conservative, whatever that means, and just sort of is a little ticked about not being able to say what she wants gets offered some money from somebody who said, I'll pay to say what you want. I mean, it could be those things. Again, she probably is going to um, be more famous than she ever was by doing this. Um, And at a certain point, you pick a lane, you know, unless you want to go down the whole CNN route and be a total like uh, socialist bimbo shill. But if she has any semblance of a conscience and actually can walk and chew gum, she might say, well, the sort of conservative media path is more for me. And this might be the way she went into it. And maybe, or maybe it's just some sort of uh, plan to misdirect. I don't know. I think both are equally possible. Yeah, I think it's, if, if you're going to come out with explosive information, at the very least, if you've, you're awake to things, you remember people like Gary Webb and the DC Madam and uh, people like that that were found with, you know, two bullets to the back of the head were hung and in, in, in hanged in a place where it was absolutely impossible for them to hang themselves or, you know, again, Jeffrey Epstein, right? And so you know that if you, you know, if you make too loud of a noise in something that's, that's really dangerous, you're going to get, you know, be found with two bullets at the back of the head, shot execution style, ruled the suicide, never heard about again. I mean, to this day, how many people have heard about Gary Webb, who, who blew the whistle on the, the CIA and drug trafficking? 
And for years, the media just said the media that's all about talking truth to power, really more like power to truth. Um, they're like, well, we're, the CIA says no. So we're just going to believe the government and not your government documents that actually prove everything you're saying. We're just going to ignore you because that's what they're told to do. That's back in the 90s. So, and then, you know, Gary Webb, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning jurist, he just followed it. He knew he had a story and he kept following it. And, uh, you know, then the government finally, you know, there was a report that came out that said, yeah, maybe the CIA did some drug dealing in Harlem and places like that. Vindicated a lot of what he had said. And then, um, you know, found dead suddenly. So it just ruled a suicide. So it's the same thing here. That's why I'm automatically suspicious of things like that. You know, I mean, if she gets out and tells something and it gets out there, mm-hmm. um, I guess it'll, if it gets censored or not, might be an indication of truth. And again, maybe not. I don't know. I think that they'll let certain things go. They won't. But psychological warfare is really complicated that way because sometimes it's really allowing the truth to come out as part of the warfare. Right. And you see how like uh, Chinese and Russian state media, for example, they'll put out things that are true about our government, but not things that are true about their governments, of course. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, they'll censor that kind of thing. So it, it's, it, wherever you're, you're using it, you'll let certain things out if you have a purpose. So in this case, maybe this woman gets out, maybe she becomes a sensation, maybe we never hear from her again. Yeah, and then right. people will be, yeah, whatever happened to that, that lady anyway? So God forbid. But that's so I'm just uh, you know we need to be on the you know on the watch for somebody who comes around that all of a sudden aggregates all of our attention and becomes the the person managing this and managing that and oh yeah here's the latest thing you know you got to be aware of disinfo and it's very easy to fall prey to because sometimes it'll look really good well whenever a star is born if if it's a, a secular star or an ecclesiastical star whenever a brand new star is born and suddenly they make the rounds and they become extremely famous we should maintain some level of skepticism i'm going to try to play the video one more time uh this is the project veritas defector and you guys can judge for yourself outages across the region fox 26 reporter ivory hecker is live in montgomery county to take a look at that aspect Thanks, guys. That's right. Before we get to that story, I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being subjected to this. I am going to be releasing some recordings about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because it applies to you, the viewers. I found a nonprofit journalism group called Project Veritas. It's going to help put that out tomorrow, so tune into them. But as for this heat wave across Texas, you can see what it's doing to AC units. All right, so she'll be on OAN soon, as you said, Kennedy, off camera. I think that's true. Um, we need to we need to transition. We need we need a pick me up is what we need. We need something that's uh, before catchy. Before we go on, let me just say I saw some of the news that came out of that. It wasn't all that in a bag of potato chips. She, they're literally talking. I think one of her producers was talking about Bitcoin and said because of the, the time slot, the six to five to six, and because black people were mostly watching it, it wasn't going to be a big story. It was stuff like that. So before we start thinking like she had Hoffa's burial ground or if there was aliens or things like that, it really wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> but did she tell us where Trump's reinauguration would be? Yeah. <laughs> I I saw some tickets. I saw some tickets to that online. You can get front row tickets August fifteenth. Um, oh, Ted Nugent's playing. Ted Nugent. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Ted. Ted will be there. Um, I wonder if this guy's going to be there. I have a feeling that he won't, but um, maybe. Shout out to our 
favorite MD, Anthony Fauci. Hug your family. Feeling so really. No lockdowns. We're free. That uh, we, so we are gonna we are gonna transition to the unpops, and we are gonna do the grifter segment. We have a, I mean, we have a literal professional grifter with us right now, so we've got to get to his grips. Um, but Ryan, you had you had a hanging Chad, and if you're old enough to know what a hanging is, that wait, hold on a second. Is that Chewy? Is that brother Chewy? That's brother Chewy. He's been hanging out all day, listening to the rundown. Brother Chewy is on He's... the rundown, ladies and gentlemen. Brother Chewy travels. Yeah, he does. He travels really well. Hey, brother Chewy. All right. Well, that's okay. Let Ryan, let's get to your thing on the USCCB, and then <laughs> let's grift. <clears throat> so before we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, Cardinal Ladaria's letter to the USCCB about the whole issue about, um, you know, for lack of a better term, what has been put in the media is denying Biden communion. So the bishops have been working on a document that would address this, which would put out a basically the a consistency of Eucharistic practice, which would basically implement Canon 915 throughout the uh, the country, and that, which is what they've been, you know, trying to do. What Gomez actually has been trying to do. So here, um, so we have Bishop Tobin of Newark. Of course, he needs little introduction. Nighty night baby uh, fame. Uh, you know, so these are his remarks to the bishops in their Zoom call. The Holy See points us to unity. There's your buzzword with the Holy See and national Episcopal conferences throughout the world. Our obligation to place unity at the center of things allows us to proclaim the gospel to the nation. The inclusion of Eucharistic consistency in this document undermines our unity. Any effort to limit the Eucharist based on, on policy positions will thrust the bishops into our country's toxic political culture and drive a wedge between the church and the and American society. Really? It's doing what the church tells us to do is going to... Uh, you know, drive a wedge, right? The inclusion of Eucharistic consistency will also drive away many Catholics. The issues are searing and complex. The whole of our episcopate must be engaged. That is why Cardinal Ladaria wants us to in genuine dialogue. The last thing from Tobin, the proposal before us presents us with a stark and historic choice. Voting in favor of it will produce a document, but not unity. Voting against it will send us on a path toward ongoing dialogue and toward unity. Therefore, I vote no. So, you know, so this is basically his opposition to trying to say, yeah, you know, we shouldn't be giving a public center like uh, Biden communion. Now, here's another bishop. Last one. It doesn't go too long. Bishop Daly of Spokane is right next to me for the opposite, actually. Quote, I am for it. Landscape. The landscape has been changing since 2006. There is aggressiveness among the pro-abortion politicians. I think a call for dialogue with elected officials might be a delaying tactic. Many officials know what the church teaches. We should root ourselves in the truth. I think we should clarify, speak the truth in humility and charity. We are the shepherds of these elected officials and others. We don't want to issue a document called We Agree to Disagree. Our credibility has suffered because of the McCarrick report and what it omitted, like information about McCarrick's money and who benefited from him. 
we need to lead as shepherds. Right, so you got a few, you know, a few voices there, and there's, and, and that's kind of the the breakdown of the the main. You know, you've got people like Tobin holding the soupage Pope Francis line, as you might call it, and then you have Daly and a few other bishops that have been pointing, you know, towards well, well, we need truth before we have unity, right? Which is the opposite. So, if anything, the Ladaria document highlights a lot of the divisions between the bishops on on uh, so much of this, which should be a really easy issue if you're a grave manifest public center, like one who is publicly married, um, you know, same-sex couples in a public you know, civil ceremony, or as a justice of the peace. I mean, you can't even do that for, for heterosexuals, actually, as a Catholic, number one. Uh, number two, who's, you know, in, in elected office has voted for bills which are gravely, you know, immoral and contrary to church teaching, especially in terms of abortion, but also in terms of war, also in terms of the Patriot Act and all these other things that in the war in Afghanistan, these immoral things that Biden has voted for, although none of those come close to support of the Holocaust of abortion, right? And, you know, that's a grave public sinner. That's someone that needs to be called to repentance. And, you know, and if you give him communion, what you're saying to Catholics is communion doesn't matter, right? So there are some bishops that get that, mm. but unfortunately the the power players, as we know, are are the on the uh, the other side. Yeah, indeed. Um, it is time for our unpopular opinions. I hope you, that you prepared one, Kennedy. Um, yes. We customarily go around and we and we uh, <laughs> we here's the rules of the road here because I think some mm -hmm. people can get really confused about how this is go. Okay, so the unpopular opinions are objectively unpopular. They may even tick you off. They may rub you raw. Those are the ones you vote for. You don't vote for the ones with which you agree the most. You vote for the ones which are objectively most unpopular. Why? Well, because that will incentivize us to continue giving you the raw, unfiltered truth uh, and red pill after red pill every week here on The Rundown. Now, because we can only put four out there to vote for on the Twitter, and also because a fellow Catholic a police officer... Uh, kicked me off of Twitter because he was defending pedal grooming. Um, I will not be giving an unpopular opinion this week, so you're only going to be able to vote for these other four gentlemen. So we customarily start with Steve because Steve every week has a smattering of unpopular opinions, and we will do that now. I, I, this is just a uh, tradition that started a month ago. I don't know what Mike comes up with. This. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh... I'll use uh, something I don't usually do. I'll come from a blog idea. Crisis Magazine came out with one on the Rona, Catholicism, and After Action Review. Uh, author used the non-deplorum of Amator Ecclesia. So uh, I heard it was somebody in a chantry somewhere, but we don't really know who. It was a great little write-up slamming the nonsense that went down from uh, the church last year. A couple of highlights in this was... Uh, the muzzle was a, was, I'll use his exact words. A mask is not a face diaper. It's a face condom. Uh, face coverings conjures up personal presence. Uh, goes after the lockdowns and uh, things like that. Doesn't, doesn't get into the, the pokes or anything like this. My thing is using this. It's a great, again, a great article. Not too many people has read it. Uh, should be read a little bit more than has been. But those guys that are slamming priests who stood up against uh, these unnecessary overreactions and the superstition of fear and call out priests that uh, 
were doing their job, keeping the churches open and doing this because they were scared or bought into this and have the audacity to go after them, need a foot up their butts. And, and we've got to stop this priest hunter mindset from some of us and police our own. So if you see somebody that does anything, trashes a priest or goes after the authorities to go after a priest, because it's not going to end, this is just the beginning, I would recommend you police yourselves. And uh, I'm not telling you what to do to the other person, but where we come from, uh, you don't get away with trashing your dad and just walking away with it and asking for money. Okay, stop hunting priests. Uh, Brother Martin. I concur with that one. Uh, there, are, there are quite a few priests that came out recently on a, on a channel that's, that's very popular, kind of complaining about their certain situations. Um, I understand where they're coming from. I know a lot of priests who are suffering, if not as much as they, they're suffering, far worse. Um, they didn't go around publicizing these things to get attention, to get fame, and even less to get money. I know a priest who used to have to sleep in his car and take a shower at a truck stop because he had been left homeless. Um, yes, I think, I think we are all aware that there are priests that suffer all of these injustices precisely from priest hunters, lay people. Um, however, the judges of canon law are the bishops themselves. And, and so going out and complaining, one, it isn't going to solve your canonical problem. So I, I don't really understand what it is they're gaining uh, unless really all they want to gain is, is money. Um, of course, everybody needs some, some money to live. And so, you, you know, putting out a GoFundMe or whatever, that's, that's not a bad thing. But to what end? To what end? I'm asking myself, what, what, what are they trying to accomplish here? Are they really going to do they really think they're going to change the bishop's minds by sitting around and, and complaining and talking and revealing the things that they know? Or are they really just stealing their fate? And the bishop saying, okay, because you decided to go, you know, public with this as a celebrity, then I'm going to use the things that I can use in canon law and just squash you. And so I think it is very, very, very imprudent for these priests to be speaking in the way that they are for as much as they are. That's, that's my unpop. That's your unpop. Um, let's go straight into Ryan. Um, women should not work outside the home. That is, uh, I know, terribly unpopular opinion today. Uh, one that especially a certain group of uh, left-leaning Catholic women in their covens especially don't like. But um, now, I, on the other hand, why is it that women are working today? Is another question. This is where actually I think the doubly actually we got a double unpopular opinion. Women shouldn't work. They are working, and they're working because men put them to work. So back in the fifties, in the four, actually earlier than that, you had your pinup girls. You had all these types of things. The origins of what we now call the the pornography industry were all being laid in those very seemingly at the time innocent foundations. And you go back, you know, there, there was some bad stuff going on. The old movies, sometimes you see really, you know, women being put in really indignified and filthy, you know, positions, even in old 30s movies. So in, in 20s, whatnot, um, all these black and whites, right? So how is it that, well, men allowed that. Men you know, are the ones who bought pinup girls, posters and everything. Men are the ones who sat back while the feminists, you know, uh, got into power and put everyone to work. So if they had stood up and said, no, 
you're not going to work. We're going to provide. We're going to maintain the family. We're going to maintain everything. We're not going to embrace this. Then it would have been fine. It would not have happened. But that's not what that's not what happened. Men were not men. They allowed it to happen, and then boom, women are all working. So, it, so there there has to be. So men will always say, "Yeah, women shouldn't work." But there needs to be an introspection and say, "Well, hmm, what can I do to keep my wife home? To be a man? To provide?" To you know, to provide everything that that's needed, and in culture, would also advocate other men doing the same thing. Let's start looking at what we can pair back. Is is her salary just paying daycare? Now, obviously, if you're a single mom, if you know you absolutely could not afford to survive otherwise, that that that's kind of a duh thing. Obviously, um, you would have uh, you know you have you have to at that point. But beyond that, if there's no necessary reason, women should not be working outside the home. And men should be providing so that they do not have to. And if they had done so to begin with, we wouldn't be here. So anyway, I'll piss off both men and women that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's fair enough. Kennedy Hall, based lumberjack from the north, uh, works with the Fatima Center, now is working with the Crusade Channel. We're going to be talking about that. What is your unpopular opinion for this week and your debut appearance on the rundown? Well, uh, Steve made it clear that I had to get bring the heat for this one. I think the Great Reset might be a LARP. That's my opinion. And here's what I mean by that. Well, if you don't know what a LARP is, people are listening. I probably do, but live action role playing. So kind of a poser thing. The reason I'm saying that, I'm not saying that I don't believe that there are these people like Klaus Schwab who obviously have things they'd like to do and will do their best to do those things. That's not what I'm saying. But when I look at the goals of the Great Reset and all the literature they've put out, it's largely a version of, let's say, techno-centered communism, okay? Well, you know, globalist communism with technology as the baseline. However, I look back at the communists of old, like uh, Castro, who is uh, the grandfather of my country. Um, you know, I look back at uh, men like Stalin and so forth, and uh, they were total degenerates, obviously, they were evil men, but they themselves, in a weird sense, actually can possess a lot of virtues. What I mean by that is they themselves were rugged, they were military trained, they had stick to they would actually die. Like I've been to Cuba three times and you go and look at what they did in the capital there. The bullet holes are still in the wall is like some somber reminder. And you go, oh my goodness, like these guys who were communists, they were wackos, but they literally would have died for what they believe. There's something to that that just today's socialists just don't have. Um, and they are so soft. They're so effeminate. They're uh, too addicted to comfort. They will not accept any austerity. And yes, they've enslaved the population through vice and everything like that, but you also can't get the population to do anything. You can't get them to believe in anything. I mean, the best you can get is a bunch of Antifa hooligans to go burn some stuff down. But those are, again, they're not your grandma's Soviets. They're not going to lead a revolution and go take over a Capitol building or whatever. They might not have to. But my point is, I think the Great Reset is sort of like, in some senses, a... Uh, uh, a last uh, vestige of the dreams of that generation who was raised or born in the glory days of communism. And like all heresies, I think it gets weirder and weirder as it gets closer to the end. And uh, things are going to get messy, but I don't see it coming true the way that they've suggested it will. But don't confuse this for some sort of boomer. We're winning hope. It's just me saying I don't think they're competent enough to do what they're saying. I, I, I'm speechless oh. with that one. Uh, if that doesn't win for the most unpopular amongst our audience, then uh, 
I've been thinking about it for about two weeks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, well, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is you, you have to sit through the grifter segment. But the good news is, is that we're adding, we've decided to add a bonus segment on the back end of the grifter segment. And at that point, we are going to talk about authentic uniting of the clans. Because here within the four laymen who are here, I won't speak for brother, you have someone who primarily attends the SSPX, who primarily attends the FSSP, who primarily attends the ICK, and then who primarily attends a diocesan Latin mass. So in a sense, you have the big four represented here on this live stream, and we're going to talk about what Unite the Clans actually means and could mean. But first, you have to pay attention to these griffs. And, uh, well, where's Kennedy's griff? Kennedy, I, I want to play your griff, but why, why don't you, uh, while I load it up, why don't you talk about your big announcement today? Sure. So we're a uh, channel, Mike Church's channel. Uh, we are launching a new show on July 19th called The Kennedy Profession. It's a name that he uh, thought of, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, he wants to play on the fact that I'm a teacher and so forth, and it's going to be, you know, how he talks in the Louisiana speech. He's like, you're going to be professing every day. Anyways, that's how he talks about it. And um, daily drive time show uh, every day, 3 to 6 Eastern time, so East Coast drive time and uh, last part of the West Coast. Live radio. Uh, conservative talk in the sense of we are all traditional Catholics who uh, who work there. And uh, so you'll get sort of social commentary, but from a Catholic perspective. And it's a true radio, radio station. You know, radio is different than podcasting. It's different than TV. It's a different form of media. And it's very enjoyable if you find good radio. So uh, watch The Grift. We had some fun with it. And um, if you go to crusadechannel.com slash Kennedy... You can sign up, and we need to get some new. We need to get 500 new subscribers to ensure the longevity of this project. So, if you guys could all help me out with that, that would be a big, uh, a big deal. To save the world, you got to get up early, because being awake is the enemy of being woke. Here's what I want to know: Why isn't this Emperor Fauchatine guy buried not in jail, underneath the jail with his henchman Scarf Vader? Hmm? For six long years, Mike Church and the Crusade Channel have waged daily mortal combat with the cult of death. But saving the world is a full-time gig. That's why we brought in Kennedy Hall. Mike Church and the Crusade Channel are doing their part, and I can do mine. I'm asking you to join me. Big tech and the elites don't like our message, and they'll do anything they can to censor us. So no one hears the truth. Have fun with that. But you can't censor the crusade. We need 500 new subscribers to make this happen. You can waste your money in a lot of places, but why not spend 10 bucks a month to join the crusade channel and be part of something big? Do this now to guarantee my July 19th launch date Listen to the Mike Church Show on Crusade Channel for my guest appearances, regular guest hostings, and for announcements about the show. Oh man, I think I left my pipe in the woods. The Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. So, Kenny, you don't have did your you pipe with you right now on the rundown. My question is, did you did you ever locate it or did you leave it in the woods? No, I found it. Don't you worry. Did. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go to Ryan. Ryan, what's the latest with Mediatrix Press? 
latest from Mediatrics Press. I was mentioning it last week. I finally got it. The Franciscans and the Protestant Revolution in England. Uh, this is a really good book. That uh, It's actually this month's book club, too. So if you're signed up for the book club already, you will be receiving this. Just a little example of uh, how we try to make things really nice when we reprint books instead of just giving you some kind of cheap facsimile with that that's hard to read and tiny font and sort of things that we completely retypeset everything um so this book will be going out uh, actually yeah everyone who because we just turned over and so that'll be going out today last month was mariology of cardinal newman um so if you join the mediatrics press book club you get the ebooks uh, also for these and then uh, you can just do the ebook one at ten dollars or you can do the hardcover with all of our e-content for fifty dollars plus shipping for the book and so i wish i could ditch the shipping for the book but i can't prices are going up and i'm trying not to raise my rates as much as i can so um anyway so we have that going on um i have big big plans for september september 17th is the 400th anniversary of the death of saint robert bellarmine um i've been working for several years on translating saint robert bellarmine so the the big thing that we're trying a couple of things to see what i can get to work or at the very least to start a documentary on Bellarmine going in that and on probably on Steve's channel of some sort, you know, obviously low budget. Um, and then, you know, so whenever I give a conference on Bellarmine, I'm constrained to about an hour and a half to two hours, but I could probably go on for 12. So <laughs> this documentary will be what that 12 hours looks like cut in with nice pictures and music and uh, other things, other things we might be able to prepare for that. I also have some more, more works of Bellarmine. I'm going to be trying to get out for that date. Uh, although it depends because right now I'm also uh, bursting out volume three of San Alphonsus's moral theology after a long hiatus working on that. I've been, you know, cutting through that. I had to take a break this week because I had important stuff to take care of in real life at home. Um, and so finally, so finally we're getting moving on all these things again. So uh, anyway, September will be great. Um, it looks like um, I will be giving a conference in Dallas again uh, at uh, Mater Dei Parish in, Te in Irving, Texas. So right in that area, Dallas area, So which will be on St. Robert Bellarmine. That'll be in November. And so if you're in, in Texas area, if you're I, I know Texas is a big state. If you're around the Irving area, <laughs> uh, Fort Worth, et cetera, um, you know, keep watch for that over at Mater Dei because that'll be uh, that should be pretty awesome. And you will, of course, have to uh, make a pit stop in the heart of America on your way down, just like last time, Ryan. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, Brother Martin, Oblates, doing big things. Uh, we have winners of doing prizes big. this week, yeah? Yes, we're at the end of week six, which is two Byzantine icons. Um, we're at 83,400 right now, and we're going into week seven, which will be from Mediatrics Press. It'll be a, a three-volume Mariology set edited by Father Junipero Carroll, OFM, um, and The Mariology of Cardinal Newman by Francis Friedel. That's a $95 value that you're getting for 70 bucks at least. Um, so that, that'll be in the price for, actually, that'll be the price for this week. Um, also, since we're getting so close, uh, I was informed by, by someone, a very generous benefactor, who is willing to match Anything we go above our goal of $100,000 up to another $100,000. So, for instance, if we end up raising one hundred and fifty, dollars then he'll, he'll give us $50,000. So 
So this is a bit of an extra incentive uh, because if we raise uh, whatever we raise on top of that, well, we, we could end up with not just $100,000, which was our goal at the beginning, but over $200,000. So that is, that is very, very generous of our anonymous benefactor um, to do that, do that for us. So um, we've got about three weeks, four weeks left, um, and we're, we're getting close to our, our, our $100,000 goal. But if we could um, pitch in a little bit more and help us out, this would be, this would be very great. So thank you for, to our anonymous gen- our anonymous and generous benefactor Wow, that's well. good to have uh, friends in high places. All right, we did say at the end of the Grifter segment, we are going to have a bonus segment. But you do have to watch this quick fundraising video for the Oblates. And on the back end of that, we are going to finally debate for the first time on the rundown. Uniting the clans. My name is Brother Martin Navarro, and I'm one of the founders of the Oblates of St. Augustine. Less than a year ago, we began our monastery in a building lent to us for free by some generous friends, but we've quickly outgrown its size. Now, we're asking for your help to purchase a property adequate for a traditional Catholic monastery to grow and thrive. We began the Oblates of St. Augustine as a response to the theological and spiritual crisis in our time. The Church needs monasteries faithful to the traditional theological formulations of the Catholic faith as expressed clearly in the Council of Trent, as well as opt exclusively for the traditional Roman Rite for both the Holy Mass and the Divine Office. Unfortunately, the significance of consecrated souls in the life of the Church has also been largely forgotten or misunderstood, resulting in the drastic diminished numbers of religious and the closing of many monasteries and convents. We wanted to found a monastery that faithfully lives the holy rule of our father St. Augustine, where we can dedicate our lives to pursuing a conversion of life as a response to God's love for us, to the study of truth, most especially in sacred scripture, and in concretely living out God's love for us by loving our brothers and community. Consecrated souls are set apart from the world by God to merit graces for families in the world by their penance, sacrifice, and holiness. This is why it is imperative that we work to restore the traditional charisms of the religious life in the church and help these communities to grow in whatever way we can. This campaign is to do just that. Giving just $10 a week for 10 weeks and sharing this link with all of your friends via social media, email, or text can help us reach a milestone in an authentic reform of Holy Mother Church. May Our Lady of Consolation, our Holy Father St. Augustine, and our Holy Mother, St. Monica, intercede on your behalf for your generous support. All right, we're in for a special treat here now. I think we're just going to speak in the open uh, for the first time on the rundown. This was actually Kennedy's idea Kennedy, you said, hey, maybe we should talk about what does Unite the Clans actually mean? Because I think a lot of people end up inadvertently getting left out of the so-called Unite the Clans, uh, depending on who's actually saying it. 
Yeah. So it, I'm not going to suggest a, like a, a specific method or like these are the four steps or anything like that because I have no idea. It's more of just a mentality. So everyone knows I'm a Society of St. Pius 10th guy. I literally, uh, I mean, I've, I've at, at the behest of even professional engagements, have been apologetics from Marcelo Fev and stuff. You know where I am. You know the hills I'll die on. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, trying to pretend that I don't have the opinions I do. Um, but, but. Three years ago, I was not a, a traditionalist. I was a guy discovering the Latin Mass, and I wasn't going to the SSPX. Um, I was just a Novus Ordo Catholic who was faithful, I hope, you know, believed the creed, prayed the rosary, and was just doing my best to find whatever I could. And I still have many friends who um, don't understand tradition, uh, but I know when we sit down and we talk about all the essentials of the faith, we believe the exact same things, if that makes sense. Um and uh, it's sort of, I, I guess my, 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 my appeal here is for my fellow traditionally minded Catholics is um, don't assume someone who is in the Novus Ordo uh, isn't on your team just because it seems like that on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people aren't on Twitter. <laughs> um, and, you know, me three and a half years ago, uh, I wasn't a trad, so to speak, but I was believing all the same things, except things about the liturgy, which I didn't realize was as important until I finally did the reading I had to do for that. So my sort of idea here is for the whole Unite the Clans thing, there's no sense in doing it in a LARPy sort of way where we're going to like have some mega order of priests or whatever. That's never been how the church has been. There's always been orders at odds with each other, and that's sort of the iron sharpens iron thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But just the mentality going forward, I think, is uh, trads need to let's say have an open mind in the truest sense to a lot of people who are really faithful and of goodwill, but just haven't crossed the, the next Tiber yet, if that makes sense. And there are a lot of them and they're waiting for someone to sort of put out the hand and say, here, come on. Um, they won't understand the liturgy until they just sort of have a heart conversion, but they don't see it as essential yet. We have to look beyond that and say there's still an ally and it's sort of a process. That's sort of my appeal for the true Unite the Clans is more of a mentality of of of, um, of reaching out to those you wouldn't otherwise reach out to. Uh, let me let me set the stage before I turn it over to, uh, to, to the others here on the panel. Uh, we often talk about this time for choosing that I think is coming. Um, I think we all think it's coming. We're, we are witnessing, you know, a coordinated strike against uh, traditionalists. It's happening across social media. Brand new uh, YouTube channels and platforms are being propped up in order to attack all of us. Uh, the, the bishops are really tired of us. The Samorum Pontificum is under siege. Uh, this is happening at the same time as the global inflection point, I believe, in which um, we're headed back into another dark winter. The globalists are taking over. The, the, the bloodless communist revolution continues according to its plan. And, um, and the church's response is going to be to try to corral all of the traditionalists into one corner so that they can deal with us. So I think, you know, w with respect to Unite the Clans, if you say the word unite the clans, but you don't really mean it, and you're not willing to engage with guys like Kennedy, let's say, then I'm not quite sure what, what the plan is, because once some more pontificum, once SP is gone, let's say, um, what is your plan after that dust settles, Brother Martin? Not, not what your plan is, but I mean, just on that point. <laughs> What's your plan, brother? No... Kennedy brings up a good point, and, and, and basically 
when, when defining Unite the Clans, he's not talking about creating just one massive religious community because we lose the different charisms. I mean, the Institute of Christ the King, they have this you know, spirituality of St. Francis de Sales, and why should we mess, mesh that together with the fraternity of St. Peter? Um, it's good to have different communities, a little bit different formation, spiritually, all that kind of stuff, because you get uh, different perspectives. That's, that's great, actually. I mean, technically, every community, whether it be Dominicans, Franciscans, they should all be doing the traditional Latin Mass. Um, so there should be, you know, multiple communities. But I think uh, United Clans is especially for the, the laity in the sense that there's a lot of infighting about things that they don't know in the, in the sense of canon law, um, the consecrations of Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, of the four bishops, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, they're, and they're making a lot of moral judgments and then judging their peers based on what, based on their lack of reading or lack of understanding the, the circumstances of the situation and whatnot. For instance, I mean, there are uh, people with YouTube channels that um, say, for instance, there, there was no need for the consecration. The consecrations were systematic. Uh, I know p three people that worked in Ecclesia Day back in the day, and none of the three that worked for Ecclesia Day say that those consecrations were systematic. And so you, you, you weigh certain authorities, uh, and there's just a lot of unnecessary bickering and fighting uh, between trads that doesn't need to be there and that makes us look really bad. I mean, here we are saying, you know, the traditional Catholicism is the way to holiness, is the way to heaven. Mm -hmm. And we choose something extremely banal and unnecessary to argue about um, and to lose friends over, to actually lose friends over. That There's people that, you know, have lost friends because they go to a society chapel as opposed, as opposed <laughs> to a fraternity chapel or, or anything, you know? And it, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, uh, Steve, we do have differences with b between the, the groups and those differences are... are not insignificant, and uh, especially you know uh, when when you really examine them. Uh, but can you? What do you think about you know the the idea that we shouldn't at, at a minimum we shouldn't be at each other's throats over it? I don't. There's people in the chat already that have been saying, "Oh, watch these get nervous because society thing." You know, I actually have society friends. I actually talked to a society priest through text. People have all, they come up with these rash judgments on just anybody just because the, the flag they wear, wave or whatever. <clears throat> this current situation is not the situation of 10 years ago when somebody could have said maybe, all right, these guys aren't next because of X. All right, we'll get it. That's a different topic for another conversation. I don't care about it right now. We're all on the same team. We're all trying to get to heaven. We're all trying to do the same, you know, grow in holiness and bring our uh, bring families their salvation etc why aren't we uniting the clans converting everybody into our parishes you live in an ICK parish that whole doggone neighborhood should be going to your ICK parish you live in a fraternity parish that whole neighborhood that's around that parish should be going to that parish your society chapel everybody in that area should be going there diocese same thing. Why are we like somebody was there was somebody that's complaining? They like doing the complainings. Oh, they put the, the, the traditional parishes in bad neighborhoods. Okay, that's an excuse. Convert the neighborhood. <laughs> How simple is that? Do some puts, you know, unite the clans is coming together and striving for the ultimate goal. It's not my, you know, my flag, my source is as big as yours. It's nothing, something like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's, Uniting for the specific purpose of becoming saints and growing in holiness and converting the world. I haven't seen anybody that really says that bumper sticker line trying to do that. That's not blogging and complaining about the Pope. 
That's not putting videos and blogging about the bishops. That's teaching the Catholic faith, making everybody become saints, converting people, and then ultimately getting people to heaven. If someone's talking about your group helped me convert, your group, then you did your job, you did something good. <clears throat> if you haven't had anybody say I converted through your program or uh, channel or whatever in eight years, I say there's a problem. You might want to re you know reevaluate your situation. I'm not saying I don't know who has or who hasn't, but that's to me that's united. You, Brian, Kennedy, Brian, Mike, brother, I know I could get all four, all you guys together if I had some kind of festival and you guys would come out, we'd have a beer on the table, and we'd be passing out miraculous bells, inviting people to the parish, etc. No big deal. <clears throat> there's many in the trial world that I know never have done that in their lives and have complained endlessly. Mm -hmm. And those are the folks who give traditionalism a bad name, right? I mean, at, at, at a certain point, it's kind of like, well, if you're obsessed over the differences between the clans, that's that's really a form of, of pride, Ryan. I mean, I, I know you I know you you've been in this game as long as anyone on the stream here. Uh, very interested to hear your thoughts. So I go to a fraternity parish I have for quite some time. Um, it's never been out of any particular animosity toward the SSPX. In fact, I used to work at an SSPX school, and I'm. Except for some in my early period uh, when I was a young trad, just kind of taking stock of all the the what's what happened in the church. Um, in that period, I, I might have been convinced by somebody at the society it wasn't schism, but as soon as I looked into it, I realized that was nonsense. So, um, you know, I don't have any problem with the SSPX. I don't have any problem with the Institute of Christ the King. I don't have any problem with you know this or that group. But I, you know, and I think that. There is a lot of turf wars. There are a lot of turf wars that go on. There's a part of the kind of the psychology that comes in with the tradition uh, when when you like because we you know the the church as it appears that is in terms of the, the various members in the hierarchy that seem to run things they hate tradition. They hate us. They. Uh, they, they were the lepers of the church. They want the only reason they gave us any pastoral anything was ultimately because they liked the society a lot less, and that's the only reason why you know you have any kind of permission for any kind of Latin mass that's not the uh, the church, right? That's not um, diocesan. I mean, you know, is that they they only allow that just because well the SSPX is here. We just don't want to have that, so we got to get you guys over with us. Same thing with large independent chapels and things like that. So. Let's, uh, you know, so if you're going to the fraternity, which is great, because I mean, I, I have two, a, good, a very good priest, they preach good sermons. What, you know, what, what does the future look like? So let's look to Dijon, France. And this is the, the statement from the bishop who just suppressed them after 23 years. The Fraternité Saint-Pierre, Society of Priests Attached to the Right Prior to Vatican Council II, was hosted in the Diocese of Dijon in 19... To have mass according to the tradition prior to Vatican II. It had been agreed that the priest of the society should also celebrate from time to time with other priests so that there is no watertight separation between the two rites. After the departure of the first priest from the fraternity in 2007, the diocese wanted to ensure these celebrations itself in the old rite with diocesan priests. The project could not be realized, and it was specified to the fraternity that another of their priests could come to Dijon on condition of not refusing occasionally can celebrate with his diocesan converts. Appointed in 2007, Father Garbon naturally fulfilled this condition. 
his superior wanted to transfer him elsewhere in 2010. We insisted on having a priest ready to celebrate. Not having found a replacement for him on this condition, the superior extended him until 2016. Since then, the abbots appointed by the fraternity have refused to accept this gesture of priestly and sacramental communion. Such an attitude is indicative of a conception of their ministry that we do not share. The old rite should not create a parallel community. Priests must be free to celebrate in either rite. So that's after, uh, you know, silence, after kicking them out, that's what they get. So... If you are thinking, well, yeah, we can't, we can never go to the society. We've got to brace the fraternity. Uh, we're going to find that if the fraternity is really principled, they're going to be shut down. And it may not even come from Rome. It just might be bishops individually. And they make it harder to go to those masses. So the, the, the end story is, what is our goal? What are we looking toward? We're looking for the traditional mass. That we're trying to maintain the tradition, preserve the tradition, and you know, and basically hold fast. Uh, and you don't have to be reading Vatican II this, Vatican II that, and be up in all the apologetics, Fatima this, Fatima that. And granted, I'm all for Fatima, uh, by the way. And, and But particularly, I think everyone gets lost in the whole thing with the third secret. They lose out on the, the particularly important part. Souls are falling into hell like leaves off the trees. Pray the rosary. Do the for the uh, the first Saturdays, right? That's the part of Fatima that I think that that we should really be focused on more so than the third secret that we can't control and can't get out. So that that's really one of those uh, those issues where you know unite. What should unite the clans look like? Um, pray the Rosary, hold fast to the tradition, and embrace those who are doing it too. Don't um, you know get go on purity spirals and say, well, yeah, but. They're they're not of our number, you know. They're they're not with us because they go over there. Um, that's what the bishops did to you for how many years? Don't don't treat us mm-hmm. that way. And what are we looking for? We're looking for holiness. And so I just kind of finished with um, uh, years ago, probably about ten or twelve years ago. Father Isaac Reliate, who was a priest really close to Our Lady, he gave a gave a, a, a conference on the four last things for Lent in my parish. And he starts out and with, with his, you know, uh, New York accent, he says, now, my friends, when, I can't do it right. I, I'll, eventually I'll get into it. But he says, you know, my friends, when whenever I go to a parish, they say, Father, we don't need you here. You need to go to the Novus Ordo. And my friends, I will go there. But I'm here because you need me. Right. And that, that's what he does. Just, it's, you know, I am here for you now. So that that's how he he did it. That's how he rolled. I am here because you, you need me. I hear the confessions, friends. Just because you go to the traditional mass doesn't mean you're holy. So, you know, and then that's something we should kind of embrace that view that we go to this mass to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And let's let's network with our friends and get as many of them uh, together as possible. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's ultimately the point, and I think that's the point that everyone here has made. We can see Kennedy's picture, but Kennedy had to go. He bailed. Uh, he suggested this segment, agreed to the segment, and then, like a true Canadian, uh, <laughs> ruined the stream by hanging up. And that's why right. now all the windows are bouncing around if you're watching it live and you're wondering why uh, Ryan's screen is large and then small. We can always find a Canadian to blame. Um, but, but when it comes down to it, I, I, think, I think the point stands that all three of you gentlemen have made 
is that the the whole point of the mass, the whole point of the faith, is to get to heaven. And so, if uh, if if we're spending all of our time in these trad wars, which are I think engineered, um, and they want us in a circular firing squad, then we're not focused on getting to heaven and um and and blogging about it and youtubing about it and uh, this clan is 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 off base because of this minor thing or whatever um i think you're missing the forest but for the trees thank you for watching the rundown i'm so glad you guys all could uh hang out with us we got one more uh special treat with for you as we fade away on this juneteenth new federal holiday as of today. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I call on you. I'm going 
Dilo no lo sé 